everybody. Welcome to the official Screenwriting Podcast, episode number 37. I'm Adam Levenberg. This week I'll be talking about Gosnell, based on the life of Kermit Gosnell, a feature film which is now one of the most successful independent Kickstarters ever. Also, I have some quick thoughts on the Gotham pilot trailer and this week's Client Corner. So, a reminder that I am going to be speaking with Ryan Engel, the screenwriter of Nonstop, as well as Shane Black, the greatest screenwriter who has ever lived, about action screenwriting at the Great American Pitch Fest. You can go to pitchfest.com for more details on that. I may be getting some free tickets, and I will be giving those out to listeners, uh, but the only way that you're going to get those is if you sign up for my mailing list, which is at officialscreenwriting.com. You just put your email in. I almost never use that thing, but in the case that I have free tickets to give away, that's where I would do it. The first topic today is Gosnell, which is one of the most successful Kickstarters that has ever been for feature films. There have been some people who have raised more, say the Veronica Mars movie, Zach Braff went and raised about $2 million for his latest film. But the interesting thing here is that this film was financed based on the concept And based on the fact that they wanted to document a well-known news story that spoke to a very specific audience. The audience was completely familiar with the news story, and they wanted to see a movie. Furthermore, they wanted to sort of give it to Hollywood. All right, so let me give you a little bit of background on this. Kermit Gosnell was an abortion doctor in Philadelphia who operated for about 30 years in the most barbaric, filthy clinic in the history of abortion clinics. This guy would have unregistered nurses performing the abortions themselves. There was no thing as a abortion that was too late in the game for him to perform. All he would do in that case is just deliver the baby and then kill it with his bare hands. Uh, the, The man was an animal. And This story got a lot of news coverage around the same time that you might remember the Jody Arias trial. And what happened with the Gosnell story is that it became a rallying cry for the right wing. The right wing blogosphere, Fox News, Rush Limbaugh, they all talked about the Kermit Gosnell trial that was going on. Because the facts in this case are just mind-blowing, the kind of shit this guy was pulling. Now, to give you a little bit of background, Pennsylvania is a state where they had two governors in a row for about 16 years who were both pro-choice, one a Democrat, one a Republican. And the result of that was that, as opposed to what you see now with Republicans trying to pass as many laws as they can that prevent abortion clinics from operating, it it was the exact opposite, where you had Democrats basically preventing common sense inspections of clinics. So anyway, this guy had a free ticket to kill as many babies as he wanted to. Multiple women died of post-operative trauma, and he was eventually put on trial. I believe he either got the death penalty or will spend the rest of his life in prison. So Fox News was all over this. And you know what Fox News does, which is that they find a story that that is not getting as much coverage as they would like, and then they create a bunch of stories that reinforce their own brand by constantly pushing in your face, nobody's covering this. We're the only people covering this. There's only been 18 seconds on ABC News about this story, and NBC News didn't do anything. You know, there's doctors in all sorts of professions who have operated in 
similar manners and ended up in prison. This case just happened to be about abortion. But the thing is that if you say the name Kermit Gosnell to anybody who listens to Hannity, Limbaugh, Fox News, they know exactly who it is. And these filmmakers had a brilliant idea. Let's go make a movie about Kermit Gosnell. And then they fed their Kickstarter information to many of the right-wing blogs that write about these topics. And you had columnists who were quite well-known, like Michelle Malkin, for example. I read her article. And she was saying, you can blast Hollywood. Hollywood doesn't care about this story. And they're right. Hollywood doesn't. Hollywood has no reason to go and make a movie about an abortion clinic, period. But there was a, you can stick it to Hollywood by donating to this film. And the result is $1.7 million in pre-financing on it, which is so much money. And the greatest thing about it is that these filmmakers, I saw their video. I went to their Kickstarter. I'm very interested in their project. The wild thing about it, they don't talk about their movie. They don't talk about their approach. In fact, the only thing that they seem to say is that they're making a TV movie, which I think is a ridiculous and restrictive title to put on their project because they can actually use some of that money in order to pay a company like Freestyle Releasing to put it in movie theaters. And there is this same right-wing propagation machine that has provided the budget for this film is then going to promote it again when they put it in theaters. And there's a shit ton of money for them to make. I really believe that, uh, despite the fact that this film may end up being completely disgusting. But the cool thing about this is that we don't know what this film is going to be. The filmmakers in their video don't talk about it. They tell you who Kermit Gosnell was. But, and I believe that the only people who would be contributing to a Kickstarter like this would be people who are so pro-life that they already knew who Kermit Gosnell was. But they're not telling you anything about the movie. And that's okay, because they didn't need to in order to get $1.7 million of a budget. And this is where it comes down to you, the writer, being smart enough to pick a topic that is going to inspire somebody to want to get involved, is going to inspire a single person, 10 people, or in this case, over 5,000 individual donations in order to make your movie. And these filmmakers could have done anything. There's all sorts of right-wing topics that have come up, but there's something that's so fiery and passionate that goes on in the abortion debate that they knew that they had something there, and they did. And... You know, as I said to somebody that I know who is a listener of the podcast and who is interested in doing something in the faith-based realm, it's totally up to you what kind of film you end up making. You know, I've done work for a faith-based contest where they want spiritually uplifting screenplays. And the thing that the contest director talked to me about before I started reading for them was that, you know, a lot of people try to do completely uplifting stuff, but we're not completely against a horror movie. They're not against things like The Passion of the Christ. They're is so much more that can be done as opposed to sort of the sticky, sweet, touched-by-an-angel derivative. Now, truth be told, I actually only saw one episode of Touched by an Angel. It was shown to me in a, a television critique class at USC, and it made me cry. Absolutely. It was, I think, their 200th episode, tears running down my face. Didn't watch any more, but, you know, good stuff. So I, I don't mean that it, it, in a bad way. It's incredibly effective and manipulative in the best way possible.
The thing about the Gosnell project that I want you to keep in mind is that there are these sort of balls of energy out there that you can tap into. It's capture the flag. They captured the Kermit Gosnell flag. And if you're a filmmaker who really wants to go out and make movies and directing a $2 million or $1.75 million feature film is, that's a pretty great experience. It's a, it's a pretty professional level crew you're going to get for that. It's about the things that you decide to write. It's about you picking the correct project to write. And that's why I often tell my clients, you know, even if you're not going to hire me to talk about the projects that you're thinking of writing, please let me approve or at least ask some questions about whatever log lines it is that you're thinking of working on next. Because, you know, it, it hurts when somebody comes back with an entire screenplay and I say, you know, I really could have done something with that very early on. So I want to read to you something from the starter screenplay written by Adam Levenberg. I have a section called What Not to Write. And here I talk about a lot of things that are just really bad ideas based on my experience with new writers. And often these are very hard to write and incredibly uncommercial. So I talk about stuff like no struggling writers or actors as heroes, don't write about carnies, avoid biopics, avoid parodies and mockumentaries, I say, ladies, knock it off with the Native Americans, because I don't know why, but I've had tons of women come to me with spec scripts about Native Americans. And as I point out in my book, there's only been one successful feature film about Native Americans in the last 30 years, and it happened to be about a white dude and the tribe's only white woman. So, you know, it's just not a great place to start. I also say, guys, don't invent your own superhero. That's something that I would read a lot of superhero origin scripts from new writers, and they rarely worked. Again, there are exceptions to that, but it's just a place where the game's not played. And one of the things that I wrote was no charity causes. So I'll read more. Allow me to repeat. Writing a screenplay is not the way to get Hollywood's attention. It's the easiest way to be ignored. Just like biopics, message films require too much research for a screenwriter to juggle while also delivering a satisfying movie. Plus, the word cause rarely suggests anything fun. Movies are fun. If you've found the exception, have at it. It's sweet that you care so much about a specific cause. Instead of a screenplay, write a check instead. Or spend that thousand hours volunteering, making a real difference. The thing here is that you wouldn't necessarily write a script about Kermit Gosnell in order to get Hollywood's attention. And the beauty of 2014 is that you don't fucking need to because there's an entire internet full of people, 5,000 people who are willing to write $25 checks or they don't even, you don't even have to wait for the checks to come. It's automatic now through PayPal. You donate the money and you've pre-sold DVDs to them. That's why these people donated $25 so they could get a free DVD. But there are people who threw in $10,000, $5,000, This is one of the most successful Kickstarters ever. And there's a reason for it. They got their first in this week's TV segment, I want to remind you that in the future weeks, I may talk about True Detective. I may discuss theme in terms of True Detective. So if this is a project you were thinking of watching, watch it now. I'm going to try to do it in a way where I give away very little about the ending. I may just have to talk about which characters live. And that's not necessarily a huge spoiler for what this project is. But 
uh, in order to do that, I'm going to need to talk about stuff that's in the first episode and things that are in the final scene that deal very specifically with theme. In any case, I also read a great article this week that mentions something, and I often talk about taking a an element and turning it upside down. So you last week, I believe I talked about the gas station attendant who's incredibly smart, because we wouldn't expect that from the gas station attendant. And sometimes you turn things around or upside down as it relates to gender. So I saw a really interesting observation about the TV show Married with Children, which was Fox's first hit. And the thing about Married with Children is that Al Bundy behaved as if sex was a job. And that's something that you often see with female characters, where sex is expected of them, it's something they roll their eyes at, it's something that they have to do for their spouse because it's required of them, and it's something very strange to see a husband taking that on. Of course, Al Bundy was played by Ed O'Neill, who all of us now know from Modern Family, and that was the element of his character, that he'd come home and his wife would constantly want sex from him, or at least make jokes about wanting more sex, and it was something that to him was like an obligation. And that was a real gender reversal. It's not something that I actually ever processed, maybe because I was too young, or maybe because it just isn't that obvious. But in terms of a character, it was an incredibly interesting twist, in addition to all of his other elements of parenting, which, of course, were incredibly untraditional and often neglectful. He was a character who really did not enjoy being a parent, or at least refused to seem and show that he was enjoying being a parent. Okay, next up, Gotham, the TV series. There is a trailer for the pilot of Gotham, which is a backstory of Batman TV series that's coming to Fox. The cool thing about this show is that the hero is Commissioner Jim Gordon. So I spoke with a friend of mine who's a very big fan of Batman, and I said, what did you think? And he said, I just wish it didn't look so shitty. Why couldn't it look cool? Why couldn't it look like a Batman movie? Why did it have to look like an episode of Smallville? And I have some quick answers for that. So I am not a camera person, but I can tell you based on financials what my observation would be as to why this trailer didn't look as good as my friend would have wished. And it comes down to how networks operate differently from cable. On cable, they order entire seasons at the first time. So I believe that sometimes they'll even order a few scripts and then they will green light the season. Or often they're dealing with people who are so big and so powerful that they will give them a full season order based off of a pilot script. Because the thing is that most of the costs that are associated, especially with building a world, are amortized over the course of the season. So, you know, all the work that goes into Game of Thrones, well, all that money was basically spent on season one. The castle is still the castle. We get new locations and stuff like that. But essentially, all of the real work in terms of building specific sets, in terms of creating the art for those sets and what they're going to look like and maybe creating digital effects that instead of building sets, all of that stuff can be used over and over and over, and then they fill in the blanks as the world expands in future seasons. But all of that money, basically, they can spend, say, $100 million on Game of Thrones, 
or $100 million on House of Cards. So for a show like Gotham, they can't do that because they only get a pilot order. So even if they're spending $8 million on the pilot, which I have no idea what they spent on Gotham, but even if they spent as much money as they might have spent on the pilot of Game of Thrones, what you don't have is the full season that those costs are being broken down over, and the result is something that just doesn't look as good. All right, in this week's Client Corner, a couple of quick thoughts. First of all, I have people who all, who have hired me in the past, and they come back and they say, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I hired you. I remember everybody who hires me. For those of you who have hired me, let me remind you, there are things you can check in with me about that don't cost anything. I tell every one of my clients, please call me, uh, follow up with me. If there's things that you need, if you're thinking of writing a new project, even if we're not going to talk about that in a official hiring capacity, I definitely have writers who come back and say, hey, can you send me some new comedies, some new teen comedies? What am I missing? What should I be aware of out there? And that's the kind of stuff that's free that, that you can definitely take advantage of as a client. But in this week's Client Corner, I want to talk a little bit about a very specific element that happens often in romantic comedies, but it doesn't have to be, in terms of finding value and exploiting value. So I had a client who had a script where a hero is meeting a young prostitute. He meets her at a party, and they have some nice back-and-forth banter where he believes he's asking her out on a date. She believes that she is being hired for sexual purposes. Now, one of the elements that's funny in the scene is that he says, oh, my grandma can cook for us. And she goes, oh, grandma's involved? Well, that's kind of kinky, but, you know, hey, whatever you're into. The thing that is so important in this scene is that the characters don't know what the other one's talking about. And the filthier you can make the double entendres, the more elaborate their conversation, the more value the writer is displaying and showing. And that's what I call like million dollar screenwriting. This scene hadn't gotten there yet, but that's how you show what screenwriting is. You know, screenwriting is not about the story. It's about how you exercise your creativity inside of a specific box like that. How long can this conversation go on? And it's a tightrope. Just the feeling of that, where you have these two characters talking about completely different things, creates tension in the scene. It creates tension just me talking about it, thinking about it. How long can this writer keep this going? That is what being a screenwriter is all about. And the interesting thing is about this particular, the interesting thing about this particular scene is that it led to an actual date being set between them. So the ruse continues. I know that it's not a ruse among the characters, but it's sort of a ruse in the eyes of the audience because the audience knows exactly what the misrepresentations are on each side because the audience understands exactly what's happening. And when she shows up for dinner, we don't have grandma at the door. And the two characters sit down for dinner, and the prostitute pretty quickly figures out that this is a date, and that something's gone wrong here, and that she wasn't being hired for sex. And there's a little bit of a problem with that, because the writer didn't drag it out. You know, the most important element here is that grandma answers the door. And what things does grandma say that sounds to this prostitute like the prostitute is in for a super freaky evening? What happens when the hero shows the prostitute his bedroom? 
what what does she do? You know, I'm reminded of a scene in a film called Dr. T and the Women where Shelley Long believes that Richard Gere is hitting on her and she's behind him and she basically strips only to realize that he's actually not interested in her at all. And then she has to hide behind a desk and he is too discombobulated to really process what's happening. But she's gotten herself close to naked and then has to walk that back, has to hide, has to pretend like that's not happening. So the longer that this writer comes up with stuff in order to let these two characters speak on opposite sides of the fence, thinking that they're connecting, the more value that is being established. And I have a quick example from the movie Foul Play with Goldie Hawn, where she's in a movie theater, a old black and white film is on the screen, and this man staggers in, sits down next to her, and he's been shot. We know he's been shot, but she doesn't. And he says to her, there's going to be a murder. And she says, I'm sure there will be, because she thinks that he's talking about the movie. And then he says something else, and she still thinks he's talking about the movie. And, you know, you have this back and forth going on between them where he really can't do anything to get her attention to the fact that he's been shot other than die. And once he dies, she screams, the lights come on, she runs out. Um, and then when she comes back, the body is gone. And of course, now she realizes that she's in pretty fucking deep because some weird stuff is happening around her. But it's, it's the value of those conversations where two characters are speaking about very different things. And again, you can only get so dirty. You know, when I said that the filthier the conversation gets, the better. Please remember that the FX rules applies. Please remember that the FX rule applies. Now, when I say the FX rule, what I'm talking about is I have said that I think Nip Tuck, which was a Ryan Murphy show before he created Glee, is one of the filthiest shows ever. And the reason it's so filthy is because it wasn't on HBO or Showtime where there's very few limits as to what they can show and do. So the result is a show that was on basic cable that constantly had to be creative about pushing those boundaries. So anyway, this conversation between the prostitute and the date or the prostitute and grandma can only get so filthy because it can't be that explicit. And again, that's another level that the writer can push and show off their creativity because the dirtier that what they're talking about appears to be, because remember, they can't use foul language. She can't talk about fucking with grandma. That would never happen. So it's all about the words that you choose to use in order to express those things. But remember that it's got to work both ways. You have to be able to look at it from both sides of the fence. So it's incredibly limiting and you're working inside of smaller and smaller boxes the longer that it goes on. And again, that's the great value of a scene like that. That's how writers are going to show that they have that talent, that they are writing at a professional level and that somebody should pay them in order to get their services. All right, that's all for this week. You can check out my book, The Starter Screenplay, on Amazon. Hire me to read your screenplay or hire me for a one-hour concept consultation at officialscreenwriting.com, where you can also join my mailing list. I'm Adam Levenberg. Thanks for listening.